0: Are listening to the Bondzilla podcast? The Bondzilla podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, James Bond celebrates its fiftieth year in cinema as Daniel Craig takes on Javier Bardem. It's 2012. Skyfall. Spawned. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bondzilla podcast. The latest edition coming up soon as we introduce this podcast. I am <laughs> Nick, it's, it's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's immediately around the corner. It's yes, coming.
1: It's coming soon. So soon. It, it's now.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, there's been still no real news on the on the bond front, and I don't feel like we're going to get news on it for quite a while, mm-hmm. um, unless some you know, maybe we'll get some other casting confirm, like, for sure confirmations, but, um, you know, it, it also seems that, and we'll get into it a little bit with with this movie, but with, with, with the past couple of Craigs, they have been very, very selective and very, very selective on the information they choose to give out um, and very much, you know, hiding different. What are albums. you
1: talking about? For bond, yeah, but like, what do you, what do you, what are, what are we talking about? I don't understand. <laughs>
0: well, I'm just saying, like, it might not, it might not be a while until we get like real good news about Bond 25.
1: You mean it may be a while until we get news? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know where you were going with I, that.
0: I said that the begin with.
1: Yeah, I got. I, I guess. I, I guess I didn't hear that. Mm. Okay. I, just, I see where your head's at. No, it, it's just like not you not paying attention it, to your co-host. No, it's just like you were talking and then like it just like it got lost in the shuffle and I didn't know like what again, all Every, the time we said <laughs> I said this off mic. Sometimes you start conversations, but then you never make the point because you think the point is implied. But the point isn't implied. The yes. point is you gotta get to the point eventually. Listen,
0: Bond twenty five just makes me ramble. I'm just so confused about everything about this movie.
1: I mean, basically the entire production of this has been a ramble yeah. to like get into like oh maybe it'll be this no it's not gonna be mm-hmm. the guy anymore all right so today we are talking about chicken little the sky's falling one of my
0: three least favorite disney movies well
1: it's a movie about the sky falling right yeah so it's skyfall chicken little and i don't know like what else well there's other deep movies- impact yeah <laughs> <laughs> not Armageddon? <laughs> no, Deep Impact, that's more of a, like, the sky is falling. Or his Armageddon's like, we're going to kick the sky's
0: ass. Yeah, it's
1: like, we're taking this to the skies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, because, um, you know, Deep Impact doesn't really feature any NASA nerd or not. No,
1: no. That's what the, the salt of the earth waste. <laughs> 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 Uh Anyway, James Bond, Skyfall.
0: 2012. Going yeah. back
1: to 2012. Oh, also uh, same year as uh, The Avengers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the same year as the movie 2012. <laughs>
0: Did that come out in 2012 or was it like 2011 I leading think it, into 2012? I think it came
1: out in either 2010 or 2011. I don't think it came out in
0: Hold 2012. Up, wait, I got to look up uh, 2012, the movie. Give let's, me just a second. Let's see. I got to know this answer. Excellent radio. 2012 came out in 2009. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because it was like. Oh, because it was
1: like supposed to be the warning. Yes. Yeah.
0: With John Cusack.
1: There was a no, wasn't there a 2012 commercial in front of this DVD when we watched it? What? No, that was the day after tomorrow. Blu-ray. All right. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last tangent. But I didn't I say that that like it's just funny far be it for me to criticize what a creator wants to do with his time and like honestly like more power to you it's just so odd to me that roland emmerich just wanted to make that many disaster movies that are essentially like big disaster happens listen that's later in this month will we have to we have to hold up on a roland oh no but see like not even like because at least like 98 godzilla or yeah 98 godzilla 98 at least That has, like, a giant lizard in it. Right. But, like, how many times do you want to be, like, it's a tornado. It's a bigger tornado. (laughs) Now, this time, the ocean is a tornado. (laughs) Now, the earth is a tornado.
0: (laughs) Oh, I just made the connection that 2012 was directed by Roland Emmerich.
1: Yeah, that's why I was talking about it. Oh, I thought you
0: were just talking about the day after tomorrow. Yeah,
1: no, but it's like that's the connection. But the joke being is that Mm. like they're basically, I don't want to say they're basically the same movie, but they're basically the same movie. Mm. All
0: right, so 2012 Skyfall.
1: Yes. So let's
0: talk about it. Come on, get on with it. You're the one talking about your past. Yeah, and now let's
1: talk about the past again. All right, so (laughs)
0: let's jump back into this thing. So 2008 is when Quantum comes out. It is very successful financially, critically. Again, kind of at the time, sort of like oh, it's kind of good, and then kind of immediately kind of drops off. Uh, and the initial discussions are to continue on with the Quantum storyline, um, but Barbara comes up with this idea: well, maybe we should shift gears a little bit. You know, do kind of our our Goldfinger essentially, our kind of standalone little movie. Um, same as how Goldfinger was in the middle of this original Spectre storyline. Let's, let's try something new. So there's a bunch of ideas discussed. Uh, the original idea is uh, the Purvis and Wade write a script that is entitled Once Upon a Spy, um, which is a rumored title that comes up again for, for Spectre, actually. Um, but it, the, the script was originally written for Skyfall, and it related to M uh, having a transgression in her past related to her dealings with Russia during the Cold War that could kind of come back to haunt her here. Um, that script basically is thrown out the window when Sam Mendes is originally stepped on board in 2009. So Sam Mendes is the director of this movie, um, Academy Award winner for um, American Beauty, but also done... Road to Perdition and a bunch of other kind of mm-hmm. s- uh, people like him as a director, mm-hmm. uh, and he's he is a Craig choice. Uh, Craig and him worked. Uh, Craig and Mendez worked previously together in Road to Perdition, uh, and they became great friends. Offset, um, both dated Rachel Wise, mm-hmm. uh, but now Daniel Craig's married to Rachel Wise, <laughs> and Sam Mendes is not. Um, I said I wasn't going to mention that. I know.
1: Like, why? Why I'm laughing is like you made a big deal how you're like off mic about like I'm just going to like mention this because I'm not going to mention it on this show, and now you just brought it up anyway. Well, I was just saying they're good friends
0: and they both say the same person. Yeah. Not at the same time. Maybe they did. I don't know. It could be weird. Yeah. Anyways, that's how
1: they could have met. Yes. Who knows? I don't know. No judgments. I mean, if they're friends, they're friends. Yeah. I'm sure it seemed to all work out at the end of the day. It all worked out in the end of the day. Yeah.
0: It just seemed like I had a lead in. I didn't think I was going to have a lead into it, but I had a lead in. Anyways. You
1: didn't really though. Mm, like I, you, you kind of you still kind
0: of forced it in there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyways, uh Mendez and, and Craig became good friends after Road to Perdition and Mendez went to see Craig in a play. Uh, Craig was doing a play in London at the time. Uh, just you know to do acting things I guess um, and they they met up after the after the production that Mendez came to mm-hmm. uh, and Craig's like you know you would be great to, to do this next bond movie we're looking for we're looking for a director for it so uh, you know what do you think and so Mendez unlike the last films director Mark Forrester was a big bond fan he he grew up obviously with the films as a British director um, big you know it's a big thing in 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 that side of the side of the world it's a british production um but he was still hesitant on kind of is this where i want to go with the bond like do i want to do that part of my career is make like this kind of big movie Mm -hmm. and ultimately he besides being a band of the fond brand being a band of the fond franchise (laughs) being a fan (laughs) of the bond franchise uh, he also felt that he could do something interesting with it and, and definitely had some ideas that when he came to Purvis and Wade, they're like, well, let's just throw this old script out the window and and do something kind of new, something a little more thematically based uh, that he really wanted to to get into. Um, Mendez was very much into kind of this, you know, taking a look at the modern Bond and kind of the comparison between the old and the new Um You know, it is like that original idea from Once Upon a Spy, the sins of the past coming back. uh, He did want to kind of keep that nugget, but kind of alter it in a way that makes it really focused on the character of Bond. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, you know, uh, that original script was more focused on kind of M's transgression and Bond trying to kind of fix, you know, whatever happens. Whereas this one is like, yeah, M has this issue in his past, but the movie is really about Bond and Bond's character and Bond's growth as a person. And also very important to Mendez as well uh, as being a Bond fan uh, was that he wanted to pitch to uh, Broccoli and Wilson to finally bring back the uh, Q and Money, Penny characters into this the story and kind of really kind of bring it back to that original kind of Bond team and that Bond uh, kind of feeling mm-hmm. that they had. Yeah.
1: Uh, Bring the missing elements that had not been in there yeah. since this or the reboot happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so this script starts getting kind of put together now. We're in two thousand nine, but once again, uh even though it has already been purchased by Sony, the the MGM division of Sony is having great financial issue that like their entire history post nineteen sixties, MGM is struggling to come up with movies that are successful outside of its Bond franchise. Uh, so obviously MGM in the 80s takes over United Artists and the Bond franchise is big for them. But there's always this cycle with MGM where it's, the Bond movies are very successful for them, but anything else they attempt basically flops. Mm-hmm. And so there is basically kind of MGM as its own division, its own arm of Sony kind of gets close to the bankruptcy again. So basically Bond 23 Uh, as it's known at this time, is just put on hold. Uh, Mendez does remain attached throughout the entirety of the holding process, which is about two years. They don't really get back into production full-time on Bond 23 until 2011. At which point, Barbara decides to hold the release of the movie to 2012 for the 50th anniversary. And they're going to make a really big push to make this happen. Uh, So in between this time, Mendez has really gotten into this idea of technology and kind of how that plays into the modern spy game oh
1: man oh uh, what a what a what a twist uh, what a what a fresh take i know on modern bond um Ugh. and
0: uh he also as he basically like kind of reading some interviews of him he basically quotes verbatim like what what judy dunch says in the movie is that nowadays it's not like we have russia to deal with or we have this place to deal with it's it is very much like they're the the people your terrorists can come from anywhere right your, your villains can come from anywhere oh boy you know <laughs> okay the whole thing oh uh, boy so <laughs> they basically create this character uh this nameless character because in
1: i the- i should be clear i'm not i let me express this a little bit i'm not like saying that to be disparaging of the 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 comments themselves it's just more at this point like like that's that's not a fresh take on Bond. No, it, it's like these are all like the buzzwords that make it seem like we're doing a new thing with Bond. Like it's like oh, like how does technology fit into it? And oh, the bad guys—they anybody can be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> we know. So they come up with this just as
0: the concept of this character mm-hmm. and <sighs> Mendez as they're talking to Purvis and Wade about this initial script, again, still kind of untitled, he basically tells them, I want you, for this first draft, to name this character Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I just want you to just imagine this guy in this role. So mm-hmm. every time, in the, in the original script, the first draft, every time the, what eventually becomes the silver character is mentioned, it is just literally Javier Bardem you know, does this. Mm-hmm. And it's because... That was just a choice, and Mendez was going to do anything he wanted. Uh, not anything he wanted. Anything he could to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Give me what I want, would say. <laughs> a little in joke. Yeah. Um, so, with that, I'm just going to get right to the kind of the casting of this movie because right. uh, I do have some casting. Did they get Javier Bardem? They did get Javier <laughs> Bardem. So, yes. Yeah, so, obviously, uh, Javier Bardem does join the movie as what becomes the Raul Silva character. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Mendez again he was very much he was eager to get uh I was going to say Silva but I was I meant to say Javier Bardem yes uh for the role but he was kind of worried about you know like Javier Bardem what is he the type of actor who's wanted to, wants to do this you sure. know cuz he's you know he's kind of and now no. he's
1: on every... With this movie, he's on everybody's radar now because of No Country for Old Men. Yeah, at, at this, this point, point, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: But it's also like, you know, he's been doing these kind of more serious movies. And again, Mendes is always like, do these actors want to go to these big budget kind of blockbusters? Yeah. But immediately after reading the script... Javier Bardem requests that the script be translated into his native Spanish mm-hmm. so that he could better understand the character, which proves to Mendez, like, he wants to put in the work mm-hmm. to really understand. Oh, it, that's dig good. That's interesting. Into this. And he, uh, Mendez is very much a person who is very much, unlike Forrester, who is like, oh, like, you know, we are just let like, the actors write or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh mendez is in control but he does like that back and forth between people yeah like, he's mm-hmm. very much that with craig that is their relationship that's yeah. why they work so well he's together. steering
1: the ship but he is a director who wants to yeah. he, he's a collaborative director so
0: they talk and and bardem comes up with the idea to, to basically blonde his hair the, the you know the lighten his hair up to give him a very distinctive look uh and bardem said he was very nervous because this was a big movie and you know as you know we'll talk about his introduction scene and is a monologue Mm -hmm. it's a very big kind of one take monologue and he was very nervous about nailing that Mm -hmm. Um, and and javier bardem is also someone has he he says himself that he likes to do different things and takes he likes to basically give give directors a whole range of like whatever they want to do with this character that's still rooted in what he feels the character is um, but he said that he loved working with judy dench and that Judi Dench would just give him all the room in the world to to work with. And Craig was very much the same way. So Bardem had a very good time mm-hmm. on this movie. Um, we also, go, of course, have Judi Dench returning as M. And there was the feeling around this movie, initially, even when they were writing it in 2008, that Dench was willing to return, but that this would be her final performance as M. Uh, considering that she had been almost, it had almost been 20 years uh, you know, since Goldeneye her debut in ninety five. Mm-hmm. And this would be releasing in twenty twelve. So about you know, 17 years of playing this character on and off, obviously, with all the different delays and different films coming in. So she felt it was time to kind of hand the role off to the next M. But with that, Mendez and Broccoli especially were very much like, well, especially with the Craig films, the M and, and Bond relationship has been kind of one of the main focuses. So mm-hmm. let's just go in all in on that. And so that kind of helps formulate what the script is, uh, and retaining that M's sins of the past, but also again focusing it on the Bond and M relationship and right. how that kind of affects Bond. Mm-hmm. But she is very much game. She still loves this. There is an incident on set where her cell phone accidentally goes off, and it is revealed to everybody that Judy Dench's cell phone ringtone is the 007 theme. <laughs> and it became a kind of a running joke on the set and Mm -hmm. of course a lot of these folks especially again there's a lot of that core eon team that's still there most of the you know most of the old guard had retired but you know they're still you know working with a lot of the people that still worked with connery and uh more and all that sort of stuff there's still a lot of that turnover so and everybody's real close with judy and it's again just a great time for everybody uh we do also have again um the returns of Classic Bond characters at Q mm-hmm. um, and uh, Money Penny, which I want to talk about both real quick. Uh, let's talk about Q first. Uh, ben Winshaw mm-hmm. uh, as Q. Uh, the idea was basically let's make Q younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like, Broccoli said, it just seems like now the technology game is all these young people right right like, okay yeah. and, and and mendez said it was again that kind of theme of old versus new is bonds this old you know old yeah. guy gar- cuz bonds an old goddamn man Yeah, he, this- he's a, he's
1: a dinosaur he's a gargoyle uh,
0: and then q is kind of more so like on the forefront of what what technology is mm-hmm. and that sort of person and and wishaw was very much like i'm was very eager to just take it and, and do with it and again he said mendez gave him a lot of room to kind of be Q and they wanted to really play with kind of that bond relationship in a different way, where kind of Q is, you know, a little bit more. You still kind of got that stubbornness, right. uh, but just from a younger perspective. Mm. And then we also have, of course, Naomi Harris is Eve, and I'm just going to spoil it because we've mentioned it. It does eventually reveal that she's Eve Moneypenny. Right. Uh, she starts the movie off as a field agent uh, and then transitions into her traditional role. Uh, this is actually rooted uh in things from the Fleming books that have never been explored because in the Fleming universe uh it is essentially it's never really delved into in those originally Fleming books but it is implied that Moneypenny was originally uh in the British Women's Royal Navy and may have had some small work with MI6 before transitioning into the secretary role mm-hmm. which would eventually be in in modern times there would be like a mini book series about Moneypenny's previous adventures and and kind of her as a more spy character Um, this has been referenced in the movie once, uh, in the movies once with, uh, you only live twice. She's in her Royal Navy uniform when they're, when they're on the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, but they wanted to kind of give more, you know, I can modernize Penny and Mm -hmm. kind of really show that like she's that you know, she's where she comes from, but also give her that. No, she, there's a reason that she's still in the spy game. Right. Um, and kind of playing words to that. And, it's, and there are also very much thematic things with money penny and how they present her in this movie, which I'll talk about when we get into the film itself. Uh, we also have Ray fines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the things I was talking about where they were very secretive about, you know, obviously Judy Dench's character was going to be leaving after the movie. So they're very secretive about everything that, that was going on. So, Ray Fiennes' character is one of those things where, when they presented him to everybody, he's like, "Oh, Ray Fiennes is in this movie, and Mm -hmm. he's playing this guy." Yeah, and nobody really knew, but he plays Gareth Mallory, Mm -hmm. who is essentially like you know this kind of overseer of. And I,
1: I, I should say, all of us walking into this theater when we went to go see this movie had a pretty, a pretty good inclination that. She was going to be Money Penny and he was going to be the new M. Yeah. Like, it was just like, because it just, oh, no, it I think it was pretty obvious. Yeah, because yeah. especially with Ray Fiennes, and as the movie goes on, it becomes very obvious that it's like, all right, well, they're not making this guy a villain. Right. And he's way too big of an actor to just have in a movie mm-hmm. like this. Yes. And they're, so it was like so clear that he was going to be the new M. Yeah.
0: Um, but he was also someone who was like just very eager to just delve into yeah. like this. And he liked kind of he, – he said he enjoyed definitely not having to do all the interview rounds because he was a mysterious character. Right. But he said it was just like just kind of getting into it. And also because he said what was most fun is kind of – being that kind of seemingly stiff person, but then having his moment, having his action moment was, yeah. was really nice.
1: He he strikes me, though, as another actor who likes to have a bit of fun, yes. too. Because he's, and, and is not, a, I, mean, I mean, he was Voldemort for, like, crying out loud. Yeah. Like, you can't be in like, that. When, when, and then,
0: when you watch it, like, when you watch his range of performances, like, when you watch him in Grand Budapest Hotel, it's mm-hmm. like, you can't. Not tell that he's having fun. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, last acting. I mean, obviously, I you want to mention Rory Kinnear returns as Bill Tanner again. Mm-hmm. The last one I want to mention is uh, the role of Kincaid, the uh, the the gamekeeper that they meet at Skyfall. Oh Park. yes, yes, yes. Do you know the story about this? Uh, at all? I do. I okay. do actually. So. Yeah. The original intention with the Kincaid character, the original pitch that Mendez and, and Kincaid,
1: Robinson, just to give context, is in the movie they go back to Skyfall Ranch, yeah, right, which, yeah, which, which is, is Bond's
0: James, childhood home.
1: Yes. Yeah, and then he is, this is the groundskeeper mm-hmm. that knew him since he was a boy. Yes, yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah, the so groundskeeper is kind of like an older mentor, maybe for Bond from yeah. his youth. A, uh, a, a has, Alfred Light, as it was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone that might have an insight into kind of Bond's character. Mm-hmm. Um, And the original pitch and the original tension, when written uh, was that Barbara Broccoli and Mendez and Wilson wanted to pitch this role to Sean Connery Mm -hmm. uh, in a homage to it being the 50th anniversary of Bond. Oh,
1: wait, because Sean Connery played James Bond. Plays James Bond. What?! And so there was a discussion. I mean, he wasn't going to play James Bond in the movie. It was just because he had played James He's Bond in real yeah.
0: So there were kind of the discussions among them. And apparently there were kind of potential like reaching outs that Connery may be willing to talk about it. But at the end of the day, they decided that it would just be too distracting mm-hmm. uh, for the audience. That if you, it would basically be a stunt casting thing and that it would. Take away focus from Craig. Take away focus from the Bond character, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's Connery and Bond." And then, you know, they were even worried that people would like con- be confused, or like a general audience might be like, "But we know Bond, is right. yeah, so yeah, associated yeah. with the role." Uh, so instead, the role goes to legendary British actor Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. But that's also one of the reasons why, in in the script writing process, it was decided that Skyfall was going to be in Scotland because Sean Connery is Scottish, Mm -hmm. uh, which, again, is also a reference to how Fleming, uh, once Connery took on the role, uh, basically rewrote the Bond's character ancestry to be partially Scottish, whereas originally it was all purely British. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, basically, the film kind of starts molding together in terms of its uh, action sequences. Um, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but uh, the opening sequence uh, in Turkey... Uh, with the motorcycle chase, was originally an idea pitched for The World is Not Enough, um, as that film also has moments in Turkey. Um, but if, but for that film, there was the terrorist bombings in Turkey, and they decided to lower the amount of time they spent in Turkey. Uh, but that idea of the rooftop motorcycle chase uh, came back for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some controversy around that Turkey shoot, mm-hmm. in that people in Turkey, there was reports in the newspapers that said that uh, the cuz they actually shot on the rooftops uh and in fact they apparently sprayed uh coca-cola on the streets and on the rooftops to make it more sticky for the motorcycle so that they wouldn't slide around interesting okay um which also leads me to a great i'm quite quick side note uh-huh this was I saw, I saw this in a couple different places but i also kind of look at imdb yeah you yeah you know yeah. just sometimes no, you get I, like yeah yeah, yeah so they said uh, that the Coca Cola thing happened, but then the rest of the the rest of the trivia was like, this movie wasn't sponsored by Coca Cola, but they did have a deal with Coke Zero. <laughs> but Coke Zero has no sugar, so it wouldn't be sticky enough to lie down. <laughs> but it basically, so going back to the controversy, yeah. there were reports in Turkish newspapers that oh the the um the motorcycle chase had destroyed these roofs of these uh, these uh, classic buildings. Um, you know, this these ancient old buildings and they might've broken a window somewhere like on a, a legendary Turkish building. And then eventually Wilson had to do a press conference that basically said, guys, we, we replaced all the tiles mm-hmm. on the roofs and we're going to, we, we took out all the original tiles, placed these movie tiles essentially. And then we're going to put, we're going to restore the original building. Right. So it's okay. We're good. Wasn't the only controversy on this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what the other movies other big controversy? No, I don't. It's the Heineken controversy.
1: Oh, right. Yes, because James Bond in this movie is drinking some Heinies. Yeah, so they do um
0: Bond at one point does drink Heineken, but that was
1: like more of like a fan, a dumb fan. It controversy. Dumb, it was a dumb, it's a dumb fan okay, controversy. Right, it yeah. was a
0: hundred percent dumb fan controversy. I can tell you hundred yeah. percent why because they made the deal with Heineken. Bond, uh, Craig did Heineken advertisements as Bond, mm-hmm. and there was this whole thing in the movie or in the lead up to the movie that. Bond fans were worried that he wasn't going to drink his vodka martini because the movie was sponsored by Heineken. Right.
1: Spoiler
0: alert: He does drink a vodka
1: martini at one point. Where? When? When in the movie? Oh, oh, during uh, the the casino. Uh, yeah, the casino scene. Okay, yeah, yeah. Though it is funny though because I and I had joked about this since the movie came out. The way this movie is shot, especially like when they do like the underground mm-hmm. stuff and the base stuff, is like. It, the Heinekens stand out so much, yeah, because they're these like blue and white kind of like sterile like sets, yeah, and then just this green bottle, yeah, it's <laughs> always visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: there was a very big within the bond. I do remember mm-hmm. that, yeah. Uh, but Wilson eventually was basically like with with the financial troubles that I'm MGM had and that kind of flirtation with real bankruptcy. They needed the money that they could get, um, and it's also one of the reasons why the way that they trot in this movie isn't as much as it's been in previous movies, much of this movie, unlike previous Bond movies, much of this movie is, is, is focused in London. And mm-hmm. that was partially, um, partially part of the scripting stuff, but also partially, honestly, budgetary concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, that yes. And yes, this movie still had like $150 million budget, but like, you know, quantum had a two million, two million, $200 million budget, you know, and they had to save money where they could just to kind of make sure this movie got made. So, a lot of the movie does take place in London, um, which you know had been had been part of previous Bond movies, but not basically as much as it was mm-hmm. here. And you know the idea London is kind of its own part of the story, part of the character, and, and really kind of honing in on the British nature of the movie. Um, but the movie also does, of course, hurt in Turkey, as I mentioned, and then Shanghai is another big one uh, that the movie. And the idea with Shanghai uh, originally that sequence they explored South Africa for it, and they explored India for it, but Shanghai. One again, obviously, within these next few couple years, um, Chinese film economy had been you know getting bigger. Filming in China always helps. We always see that with like Looper, which is also 2012, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Looper also decides to shoot in China for that same reason. Yeah. Um, but the other reason was that they wanted basically something the exact opposite of London. And uh, whereas London <laughs> is this like old city with a lot of history, uh, you know going through these old buildings and you can mention, you know, the old underground, they're doing the things with the world war two bunkers and everything like that. Shanghai is very much the modern city. It's the, it's the definition of a modern city, mm-hmm. uh, in the case that, you know, the, the lights and the, the nightlife and, and how it kind of looks from London. It basically looks like as they've, as Mendes mentioned, it's kind of like a few, fu- almost a futuristic city at this point point. and kind of contrasting that with London, um, Puts Bond and kind of you know thematically in a different mindset, mm-hmm. uh, so that's why they shoot there, okay. Um, but still, a lot of the interior sets, and there's this movie has a lot of really cool set design. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing that stuff like you know where that crazy assassin fight happens, mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah, and even uh, Silva's interior base where he does the monologue are all sets at the 007 stage in Pinewood Studios, and, oh, you, would, cool. and you wouldn't think that. Um, but again, a lot of it was done at 007 Stage and Pinewood Studios, uh, and so they uh, they really kind of did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the only other thing I guess to really mention is, uh, you know, the, the big old train crash that happens in this movie? Mm-hmm. Well, that was actually not a last minute idea, but it was an idea that happened during production excuse me, during production, essentially. Because mm-hmm. they had this underground chase where he's, like, going to chase the train and trying to find Silva after he escapes. And Mendez felt when they were just getting started to shoot it that they... It just didn't feel... It didn't feel like it had an ending. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it had, like, a real moment of an ending to that chase mm-hmm. uh, before Silva gets to the the hearing that Em's at. And his visual effects supervisor... Um, uh, said that he had his dream about a train crashing through a wall, and Mendez was like, "Well, that's the perfect ending to this chase." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so basically, they come up with just you know how they're gonna do it, and, and it's all practical with miniatures and stuff like that. And oh, cool, yeah. Uh, most of this movie is is practically based. I mean, there is oh, CGI sure. in yeah. there, but like. The like the, I mean, the the
1: the Craig Bond movies have been pretty decent about mm-hmm. that, like throughout, and like have been like and and to be fair, very convincing with like mm-hmm. their practical stunts and such. uh but yeah, but then you know
0: uh, that's basically the shooting of the movie. Um, again, they do kind of put in little bits and pieces, re- reflecting and um, referencing the Bond history, which I'm sure um, we'll talk about, which as we'll talk go about through. in the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have much else, and, um, I was gonna talk about the, the, the hype of this movie, but I think I'll do that in the after. Yeah,
1: let, let, us talk about, we can even talk about that as we're leading into the movie, too, because yeah. I think that actually will be a good segue into, like, actually oh, talking one about the thing. movie. more thing. I so, did remember yeah. one more thing. Uh-huh. Um, just a really little
0: minor fact, mm-hmm. uh, but the, in one of those weird little tributes to Bond history, mm-hmm. M's house in this movie mm-hmm. is actually the former house of... Uh, longtime series composer John Barry. Oh, cool! Uh, Barry had passed in two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. um, right before they started really shooting the movie, um, and so they decided to kind of pull that as a mini little tribute to to him. Cool. Uh, and then uh, Thomas Newman said his his score for the movie was very much influenced by those classic Barry scores. Well,
1: let's uh, let's see how successful they were in all of this, in the scores, and the filmmaking, in the stunts, and in the Silva. Of Skyfall. Of Skyfall. Chasing Spice. Oh, <laughs> so old-fashioned.
0: England. The Empire. MI6. <laughs> You're living in a ruin as well. You just don't know it yet. At least here, there are no old ladies giving orders and no little gadgets from those fools in Cube range. If you wanted, you could pick your own secret missions. As I do. Hmm? Name it. Name it.
1: Destabilize a multinational by manipulating stocks. But easy. Interrupt transmissions
0: from a spy satellite over Kabul. Done. Hmm. an election in Uganda. All to the highest bidder. Or a gas explosion in London. Mm-hmm. Just a point and click. Well, everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours?
1: Resurrection.
0: And we are back, ready to talk about Skyfall.
1: Yes, yeah. So when we left off a couple seconds ago, mm-hmm. we were going to say something about the hype of the movie oh, coming they, into this. Yeah,
0: so again, it was going to be released around the 50th anniversary of um Dr. No. Mm-hmm. The, so fiftieth 50th anniversary of the film Bond universe. You know, and it was like it was a simultaneous, I think, uh they built up that hype in like a general audience perspective.
1: Well they I, also just another thing they did is like they made a not a big stink, but they made a big like reveal of like Adele's doing oh, the, yeah, the song yeah, and yeah like this yeah. is what the song is. Like the like you heard like Skyfall like the theme as, like, its own, like, single, oh, way, it, like, it, before the it, movie. It was a top out. ten hit. Yeah. Um,
0: It was, well, and then Adele's also talked about that. She was pregnant at the time, so that's why her voice is so deep. Mm-hmm. And that she, if she sings the song, she can't get that deep again. Uh-huh. But it was, like, again, but it all worked out because that song is so iconic. You know, probably the most known of the modern Bond songs. Oh, yeah. I it, would say it, it
1: is the most known of the modern ones. Of the modern ones. Yes. Even
0: since, like, Goldeneye, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in the sense, since, or even the Dalton movies. You know, Living Daylights also had a little bit of success as a, its own individual song. Um, but, uh, no, Skyfall was a big hit as a song. And for me, just to get into this, I mean, this is what, I've mentioned it before, but this is what made me kind of rediscover my love for the franchise um, because it was everybody was hyped for a James Bond movie like everybody was really into this um, and then they put out these like tribute trailers right and they had you know you got to see Connery and Moore and Dalton all together and like the different cuts and and to me it was like oh, i just have the memories of the franchise growing up and and seeing it with, you know watching it with my dad and then I got the Bond Blu-ray set for Christmas and mm-hmm. just ran through all of them real quick, you know, over that Christmas holiday. They were just like the ones I really liked. And I really haven't looked back in terms of being a Bond fan. I had, I I just, that was when I became like a big Bond nerd and started looking into more. Now, I haven't read most of the books, but I started looking into the books, started looking into all the kind of different histories and stuff like that. And it just made me kind of rediscover my love for 007.
1: Mm-hmm. So, then, going into the movie... But going
0: into the movie, yes, we have seen yes. it. yeah. Well, and now, what are our thoughts? Yeah, well, go
1: ahead. I'll let you start. Uh,
0: it's Craig's best film, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I still like it a lot. There was something about this time that, like, m- maybe just watching these movies in a row, mm-hmm. I think, like, it's a very, very good movie, and I think it is Craig's best film. Mm-hmm. But I think there was still that, that kind of I like sort of this you know the the older era of Bond enough where I'm like something's not hitting me with these Craig movies. It's just there's something about it where it's like I want to get all in on this, but there's just something holding me back in terms of the way it presents itself. Mm-hmm. Now it's still very good, and I would I I haven't ranked it yet, but I'll still probably it'll probably end up in my top ten uh, Bond movies, and I think it's gonna it'll finish in my top ten. It's still very good, but. There's something about it, and I think maybe we'll discuss it, but there's just something about it that's just like it's not that home run, that 100% home run. And maybe it is because like when I saw the movie in theaters, I absolutely loved it, like mm-hmm. loved, 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 love, loved it. And I still really, really do love it. But I think just when I look at, think about what the Bond films that I've really attached myself to, I think there is something about me that likes something like a For Your Eyes Only or a Goldfinger a little bit more now then I do like something like a Skyfall.
1: Yeah, because if you remember, like, because um, this was one of the movies that you know came out, and for the most part, I think all, everybody that we knew really enjoyed it, including yeah. myself. And I even went into this like saying, like, oh, like this is the one, like one of the more enjoyable Bond movies, and I can't wait to see it. Rarely, and I was kind of shocked by this, but rarely, you know me, do I, I, I'm kind of the person where I kind of know how I stand on a movie. In general. Yeah. So rarely do I ever like start turning on a movie. And unfortunately, I found myself turning on Skyfall sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it made me very excited to get on Mike and talking about this because I did kind of like, I'm going to, here's the thing I enjoyed it still. And it's still an enjoyable film, it's still an enjoyable Bond movie. But I did find myself watching this like the other day and by the end it was it was testing me a little bit Mm. and uh, unfortunately i have to come and be the guy on mic to say that i don't know if i love this movie Mm. as much as i used to Mm.
0: no i mean i mean i think we're in the same boat and
1: i don't even know if it has anything to do with now that I've watched all these movies, yeah. even though I think that may be a fraction of the reason, yeah. but there, I did find myself like not as enamored with this yeah. movie anymore. And I,
0: I mean, I do think though, um, that we are also just different film people than we were in 2012. You got to remember, and it's crazy to think this, but 2012 was seven years ago now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, we've talked about it a little bit through the podcast, but our film taste, have, you know, that we slightly shift what we kind of, sure, how we, how we take in film and how we enjoy in film. And there are, I think there are different elements of like things that I wouldn't have called out in 2012 that now when I watch it again in 2019, I can say sort of things like, you know, Ben Wishaw's Q really does suck.
1: <laughs> he does not suck. He's doing exactly what he's told to do. It's just like, but I, I feel like. Here's the thing. There, this movie has the illusion of that it's a lot smarter than it actually is.
0: I do feel that way. I do a hundred percent feel that way. And, that, and, it and it, it it thinks it's saying something, especially because I think there's you know they, they do that old and new thing.
1: Oh God. Okay. So and, here's and, and, the here's, and I
0: think it's it's thinking that. Oh, it's this meta commentary on do we need Bond and like you know do we need the spy and like we've done that before and we've done it better in Goldeneye.
1: Yeah, this it, this, just, this movie to me rambles. We were talking about rambling at the yes. beginning of the of the show. It just rambles through its thematics so much. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself by the end, what did it say? And I don't mean to be like the point, like, what does the movie have to say? Or like, this movie doesn't have anything to say. Because I don't feel that. Like, I feel no. like you give, have to give all these movies credit where credit's due. Like, it clearly is operating on some sort of deeper story level like it is and there will be times when i think it does succeed in that and it's touching upon these things but i did find that it's just saying all this stuff and then there's no conclusion or really thorough tackling of any of its points other than like it just kind of like mentions a lot of these things as you know
0: will Sometimes the old ways are the best. Oh,
1: my God. Okay, so here's, like, the biggest one. And, like, this is, like, the, okay, so this is to give you a basic overview of what the plot is. So, essentially, it opens up on a cold open mission where this guy is stealing a drive. Mm Mm-hmm. On behalf of an unknown villain yeah. or an unknown party, the drive that has all the secret the aliases of MI6 agents all around the world that are undercover, like they're this undercover agents,
0: undercover agents like embedded in terrorist organizations and stuff like that. Yes.
1: So basically, like if this gets into the wrong hands, then somebody's going to know where all the undercover MI6 agents are and could yeah. expose them, do whatever. Mm-hmm. So it opens up with a cold open with um, a Bond uh, Trump like just on the mission to get that back yeah the mission goes awry goes yeah. wrong mm-hmm. and uh it it ends with uh Bomb getting shot uh getting shot by eve who is money Penny. money Penny. which by the way has a blockbuster trope so retroactively become not aged well in like i mean i'm usually very lenient on things like this but this whole like at the end we're going to reveal that it was actually this character that you love from the franchise i'm like come, like yeah dude, like because i just feel like at this point why not just make it money penny like why do why this, go through all the why stuff? go through this whole dog and pony well, show also, just to reveal it's also
0: very funny because it's i it's also at the end of the movie it's like hey all all through this even when we were on that mission together uh, i never learned your name and it's just like I think they would have done some sort of introduction at some point, right? Uh, I'm like because it's not as if like Money Penny is like oh like M sent me to like help you out real quick. It's yes, like they were part of the mission together. Yeah, so um,
1: and it seemed like they because that was actually one of the uh, bo- the the good things about it is like that that their you know chemistry with each other is actually quite good. I and I mean
0: we- like if you were gonna modernize Money Penny, this is the way to do I it. I
1: should say that overall is like the modernization, the characterization of this new Money Penny is. Spot on, and
0: I and I, I mean, and I will get into it. This actually gets into one of the deeper thematics that I actually do like about this movie. But I think I'll save that for a little bit later in the, in a discussion.
1: So it ends with the mission going wrong, and she tries to take a shot at the bad guy while Bond's fighting him uh, at M's. So. At M's request, like, request. M's like take the
0: shot. Right, because she says I don't have a clean shot. I could hit Bond, and he's yeah. like take the shot because she needs this drive. Yeah, because it's like, either
1: because they say later in the movie it's either risk the life of one agent versus mm-hmm. the lives um, of all these others, yeah. which kind of comes up, but also not really. Oh, yeah. uh, but well, so it ends with that Bond gets shot and then just washes away, <laughs> and then and then the movie goes goes well, on. I will so- say
0: I want to say just to talk about the opening sequence since we're talking about it. I do think as from an action perspective, I do think that opening sequence is like a all timer in terms of just purely the action and just purely sure like, it's good like an introduction
1: and there's like some fun stuff when he like hops and like he like he's on the crane yeah like the 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 construction crane and then he like hops into the uh, the train and yeah. then like he like fixes, fixes his his, yeah, but even yeah, like the mo- like I do
0: think the like the the motorcycle chase on the roofs is really like just as a cool visual. The train thing gets really crazy. The fight on the top of the train is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think just from a purely from start to finish as an action sequence and as a cold open, it is it is one of the all-timers for the
1: franchise, and I do think that is a strength. Uh, so, the, the plot of the movie is essentially that there is an unknown party who is technologically based in a, a cyber terrorist. A cyber terrorist who has access to these names now and is essentially bringing the battle to MI6's door. Yeah. Uh, they they cause an explosion at MI6 headquarters, causing them to move elsewhere. So that's kind of like, so, and that is one of the things I always have liked about this movie and I continue to like, is that they do bring it to a more personal, the enemy is coming straight to MI6. It's not like a big world- Dominated. There's not, like, a big plan. There's not governments or, like, countries at stake. It's literally, like, the villain is coming to MI6. So, yeah. I like that. And then, meanwhile, while that's going on, Bond, who's been living on Scorpion Island, <laughs> real quick, because you, that, how do you know he's a badass? Because he, like, takes shots with scorpions on his hands. And and he covers it. Yeah, and then he, like, and then he puts the cup on it. And, and then he also drinks Heineken. And he drinks Heineken. That's how you know that he's really rough around the He drinks the edges. Heineken in bed
0: with a woman. Yeah,
1: so... And so basically it's like when he gets wind of this terrorist attack, then he is coming back to MI6. And then there's like this kind of like plot about like him getting back into the into the swing of things. Yeah. Like, you know, this this old man getting back into things. That now, is Here the is the m- ultimate thing that we've I've only hated more and more as years gone on because it kind of started out as like, oh, that's kind of like maybe like this one thing about this movie that doesn't work. But then when you watch it over and over again, it just becomes nonsense. This whole movie, they keep on leaning in, and it's not even like hinting. They lean into this whole thing about like Bond. You're not the Bond you used to be. You're a fossil. You're a dinosaur. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, And then it's like, they lean into this so much, and it doesn't work on a lot of levels. First of all, I don't believe Craig is that is too old for this role. I just don't believe that. Like, you, first of all, you had the movie where he was too old for the he was he was getting too old for this shit, and that was when Roger Moore was in, like, well, how old was he? Was oh, in it, his sixties. He yeah. was in his sixties. Like Bond at this point, he's in his forties. Like yeah. Tom Cruise is doing crazy shit. Yeah. And it, we never think like, oh, he's too old and for the, this. The
0: other thing is that you had established this Bond as the young rookie. Two movies ago, he just
1: got his license to kill. Right. So, like, and we had established, like, it hadn't even been, like, 10 years of, like... Like, honestly, maybe this is crazy to me, but, like, at least in a fictional movie setting, you gotta put in at least, like... More than 10 years before I start believing, like, you're too old for this. And I
0: think, like... And we're going to talk about this with another scene. But I also feel that they had a built-in reason for, like, him kind of struggling. Like, if they wanted to do that. Is that he had basically not been in action for however many, like, months it was. Like, he hasn't been working out. He's been drinking beer. Like, he almost died. You know, he got shot. Like, and that's a traumatic experience. And, like, you could play with that.
1: Yeah. But But they, they, but they they lean into this, like... It's not a young man's game, like, it's really, but yeah. it's like it, but like, it just makes no sense. Yeah, it, it, and it, it is hard, because again, I know what you're tr- they're trying to do, they're it's all credit to trying to, like, make the story you want to make, but you have to understand that it doesn't completely work when this is, o- this is only, this is the third movie, mm-hmm. in which, like, the first one is, I mean, quite frankly, it was very similar to the issue I, I had with, the, the Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. like, in many ways, uh, because, like, even in that movie, there was a little bit about, like, the first of these movies, he just became Batman, right? and now you're saying within, like, a five-year period, like, let's say, yeah. that now it's, like, he's reached the end of his rope? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. No! <laughs> no, it was, it was an eight-year gap in uh, Dark Knight
0: Rises, I think. I so.
1: don't even think, like, maybe... I think so. Yeah, but it wasn't that long. But, it, and, and
0: then, but also, it's like if you're going to make that choice, and you have to like do stuff that commits to it. Yeah, because otherwise, in, in like the Dark Knight Rises, they talk about that movie that also is like, I'm not a big fan of. But in that movie, it's not as if like again, it's it's like eight years have passed, but it looks like Christian Bale is the same person. Like yes. it doesn't look, like, it doesn't look like he's he's any different. <laughs> but it's just the same thing with Craig. Craig doesn't really seem any different physically or emotionally than he does in Quantum. Uh, in terms of kind of prepared for, I would, for service. Again, like you
1: said, I would even accept that all this stuff is taking a quick toll on your body. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get that. Like, that, like you're, like you're if you want to give me the whole, like, you're only a mortal man thing, yeah. then I, I could kind of get on board with that. But, like, with Bond, and I get the argument would be, like, well, may, after, like, eight years of all this rigorous, like, activity, like, that would be draining on you. I, I get that, but... There is something to be said that we are watching a fictional icon mm-hmm. go through the motions of this thing. And this is where that level of it's the real world just goes too far yeah. for me. And, and like, it's, it's like yeah. I get like there are certain things about the psychology of Bond or certain other things, but you're not going to get me on board with one movie, he's the new guy. And then, like, in his essentially second adventure, yeah. like, big adventure, that. Now he's, like, too. And then I also had that problem in, like, Casino Royale where he was ready to quit at the end of that movie, too. Yeah. So we're dealing with this very wishy-washy bond. And then, like, even at the beginning of this movie, I'm like, why is he on Scorpion Island? He's clearly not that opposed to coming back.
0: Well, I mean, there is – so that's a thing, though, where I do kind of like some of the thematic elements of that um, because there's a moment in the movie and like I've been reading a lot of the Mendez interviews and stuff about just kind of the the thematics and stuff of the movie. But there's yeah. the moment in the movie where he like it he's you know, M's lying to him that he passed all these tests that he can go on this mission. Yeah. But Mallory's in the moon Ray Finds, and he's like, Well, why did you why did you come back? You had an out. Most most people in your industry don't have an out. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have a clean out at least. And, and so the whole movie is basically and one of the things I did like about this movie is essentially it's bond making friends like true friends that, he's, that he sticks yeah, with because yeah. mm-hmm. because the idea is remember when he eventually comes back uh from Scorpion Island uh it's not the actual name it's just there's a scorpion on it so <laughs> um
1: I'm calling it Scorpion Island. I mean, there's no name for the island. Yeah, until well. Wolf Blitzer told him that it was time to come back because the movie took, started. Then he took it. Yes, <laughs> then he took his head off. And it,
0: it was. It was. It was Simon Pegg the whole you, time. You
1: did make a funny statement about like, do you think Wolf Blitzer is like tired of doing these? And I'm like, no, because he had like a, a bigger role in a very similar. Yeah, I started like, thinking a, about
0: it, and I do think Wolf Blitzer is jealous that he didn't get a chance to say. Uh, good thing there's nobody in Gotham because it's after the
1: workday. <laughs> I think you, I think Wolf Blitzer would have nailed that line, but An- Anderson i I want to know how that works about, like, I do want to see the process of like, when you have to get like, well, I mean, it's news always, correspondence it's always like, CNN people. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, any, uh,
0: anyways, what I was going to mention before I talked about Wolf Blitzer Yeah. is that like when he comes back from Scorpion Island and he sneaks into M's house, which he's done for the second time, actually, yeah. um, and he's like, "Listen, like I'm back now, so tell me what to do." He's like, "I'm. Let, let me go home and get changed, take a shower." And she's like, "Oh, we sold your flat because that's what we do for agents that are dead, that have no family, yeah. no wife, but- you no know, anything like that." And so it's basically like the idea is supposed to be that Bond realizes that without his job, he he's he has nothing, and so yes. the movie being like, you know, he's becoming friendly with Money Penny. He's starting to kind of get this a little bit like this relationship with Q, and this is going to, and even Mallory by the end of the movie, that he's starting to establish, you know, his repertoire of people, and, and he's, you know, his his one relationship in his life is M. M is the only person that he has any real sort kind of camaraderie or contact with. And the only person that, in in a sense, going into this movie, he truly cares about. As everybody else is kind of dead in his life.
1: Two things. One, I did like this one subtle running gag about how this is what happens when bomb goes rogue because like he lost his apartment and then later on when they're like all right where are all the guns it's like well we thought you were dead so we got rid of all of them so he's constantly punished for his rogueness yeah. and I, so there's that and I, I will say like i do see a little bit of what you're saying i think there's some validity to that because then there's also this notion of when he's like talking to silva yeah. like his like silva in uh, Bond's whole kind of, like, relationship or the lesson that Silva's trying to teach Bond is that, like, you know, you don't have to be chained by the system of MI6. Like, you could be your own agent and yeah. you can you can basically be free. You don't have to be, like, another just... Like, you don't have to just be another O agent. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't have to be confined by the old archaic ways of the spy game. Yeah. Which, again, it, it, it's... Okay, we'll get there. But so... But that was, like... Like that bothered me the most going into this one because they kept on laying it so thick that he was just like, oh man, like, you know, he's just getting so old. Even when he was a young lad, he was old. Like when he's just like, yeah, it's like when he, uh, yeah, he's like, he went into like when, when Finney's like. He went into that hole when his parents died, and then when he came out, he wasn't a boy anymore. And I'm like, Jesus, they might as well have just said, he wasn't a boy. He was a man, an old man, an old man who was too old to be a kid. It was- what a <laughs> fucking dinosaur yeah, this man all is. I, like, they, they just kept on laying like, – and every, every now and then, they would they – would, like Money Penny would be like, oh, like she's the one who's like, oh, we're gonna like give you the old dog, new tricks look. Like, like Ben Winshaw's is just like, what does an old man know about computers? There's another one. There's another one in there somewhere where, uh, like, doesn't the, the Bond girl I think says something to to him? The Bond girl. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> not a Bond girl. <laughs> she's the closest thing this movie has to one. And then, um. And then, like oh what? there was another one where they were tied like, um like fu- fucking Ray Fines talks about how old he is all the time. Yeah, there was another good one, I, I forget, oh yeah, even like Silva throws some some like digs into him. he's like, oh your knees must be killing you like he's forty years old. He's 40 years old. And then the most that this movie tries to do is like when he like, and I remember this bothered me when I first saw the movie, is that he tries to pull this stunt where he hangs on to the bottom of an elevator. Yeah. And then he like, he's like, uh, uh, and then almost slips. And that's supposed to be like, man, if he was a young Bond, he would be able to do this impossible task. Again. Like, he's just a human man. This was going to be hard. Yes.
0: And here's the thing. Again, if you just did it where it's like, oh, he got out of shape, you know, and he. He hasn't been you know truly recovered from that incident and you know getting shot and everything right that you could play with that you right. could play with the with the with the super spy who is trying to you know build himself back up after being knocked down right but instead you focus in on oh it's not it's not the game for you bond
1: anymore it there's there's other people to to do it with yep and again, and this kind of like is a good segue into my biggest issue with the movie when it comes down to it is that they kind of then they just kind of drop that and it and that's indicative of like he like he he he's having trouble shooting and then like at yes. the end of the movie it's just like when they're at Skyfall Ranch he, they, they kind of hint that it's going to be like this scene about like alright he's getting back to his roots and the old groundskeeper is going to teach him how to shoot again no he's a perfect shot See, all like, of a sudden yeah, that, like, wait a minute that, what?
0: that also that was one of those things that bo- actually I remember now that did bother me a little bit yeah. but I was kind of so high just like the rest of the movie that that's I, the thing I, I didn't it's
1: enjoyable me. like it's still like a yeah. fun like enjoyable movie at times that you kind of like don't realize like how kind of like contrived that but is but again
0: if you just did this if you play a little bit with like his mental state like just a little bit where it's just like there was something i don't know blocking you know that that element of him which is like a real thing especially if you do experience traumatic stuff yeah and then like he you know in that moment where he's kind of needs to be the hero again to like say you know to protect everybody he like kind of unlocks that part of himself Which, I mean, it sounds weird, but you could make it work. But, But otherwise, you're right. It is basically like he can't shoot. He misses his targets. He's awful. He's no longer Bond. And then the snap, he's Bond again.
1: I don't even get the sense, like, so they open up, like, with a tease at the beginning of this movie where he's going through a name association game. It's part of his training. And then they kind of, like, have a little bit of fun with it. It's starting to get into his head about his word association. And then they do the whole, like, skyfall. And then you're like, what, skyfall? And then clearly it upsets him. I get no sense of how that's paid off in the movie. Mm. So they go there, which is his idea. Yeah. And... I get no sense in any of the preceding scenes that he is having any psychological issues with being there. Right. Like, he, he's a completely I, the, functional human being the, the entire I, movie. The
0: idea, I, I'm guessing what the idea is supposed to be is that that's where his you know parents died.
1: Yeah. yeah no, well, no, they died in a mountain climbing accident. Well, I mean, that's where we found out his parents died. Yeah, that's what, that's what I meant to say. You Excuse know, me. Which we found out is like, well, we'll we'll talk about it in the ne- the next movie hashtag. It was me, James. Yeah. Uh, but, uh,
0: but but basically, that's the idea, and so maybe he has that again that
1: association. No, listen, with it. but that's the thing. I'm not saying that. I clearly get what they're trying to do, and I clearly get what they're saying. I'm just saying that it never oh, no, manifests it never itself manifests. On, no. on screen because he gets there and he's ready to. Like, because then it becomes this weird – and this is a, ultimately what my problem is, It, like, kind of weirdly juggles all of these themes without actually, like, uh, effectively doing anything yeah. with them. So, like, halfway through the movie, they drop the whole – to me, at least, the whole, like, he's old and, like, out of the game. And then it becomes this whole, like, sins of the past. Like, you have to, like, reconnect – well, then it becomes, like, a sins of the past movie. Yeah. And then – at the end of the movie, it just becomes a hodgepodge of it all. Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, he go they go back to the Skyfall Ranch. Because the because there's no technology there. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. It's like they go back to Skyfall Ranch. They have they have to basically home alone their way out of the situation. There's a little bit of the tongue in cheeky oldness that they have the Aston Martin with the gadgets in it. So like they, they're still like kind of like playing with like well now it's like meta old too so then they get back at them and then he gets there but then he also has this cheeky line of like i've always hated this house and then they blow up like his past essentially which i guess like is it like he doesn't have a pass or whatever and then like he finally kills silva by throwing the knife in it because they had a line earlier where it's like uh getting back to the old way of things or the way yeah. we used to do it and they put a knife on the table yeah. so then i'm like But then it's like, but now we're killing M, who is like the old guard. Like, what are we saying? I don't know. Like, it just—it's one of those things that bother me because, like, yes, you can identify the themes, the themes, and like the the the, and the ideas and the common ideas that's doing. But like, it other than them being there on a plate. They're not organized in Mm -hmm. any way. It's like somebody just put all the puzzle pieces in there and then gave you what the puzzle's supposed to look like, but then didn't fucking put the puzzle together itself.
0: And and you're right in the sense that all the elements are there to do something with them. Sure. It's just that it doesn't stick the landing. Yeah. um, Because you can't really stick the, you know, it's, because you're kind of saying, you're, you know, you're having things of like, do we need spies? And then like, yes, we do, I yeah. guess. You know, uh, is Bond old? No, he's fucking not.
1: Yeah. You well, know. and I will say like, out of all of those, the sins of the past thing is the most interesting thing that the movie does, I mm-hmm. think. And then quite frankly, I think this movie goes at least like and i don't think it kind of because it still didn't ultimately work for me towards the end but i think this movie gets a jolt to the system when javier bardem comes on screen yeah like that's when it's like there's like a new fresh type of like energy brought to the movie at that point Mm -hmm. um and he doesn't appear and the only thing that i do have to knock at a point off though it's like an hour into the movie before mm-hmm. he comes on screen. Yeah. Like it, He's it's, just a
0: mysterious presence for the yeah. first half. But,
1: and I want to talk about that scene because that scene to me is still one of my all-time favorite Bond scenes is like his whole introduction. His whole intro. Oh, no, it's really good. Yeah. Just the whole, his whole speech about the rats and cannibalism,
0: mm-hmm. uh, his his performance, you know, is just that enough kind of over the top mm-hmm. uh, that's, that it. it is kind of classic bond villainy mm-hmm. but like bardem just again you can tell he's having a great time with it and just the the interaction between the two of them mm-hmm. um you know the rubbing of the knees
1: and, yeah and stuff yeah like he's that. trying to like so i always so there's like this this big thing where javier bardem is kind of like coming on to bond yeah. and i always like read it as like there's probably like a little bit of that quality to him but he's also probably just trying to get into his head yeah. a little bit yeah. too and mm-hmm. uh be because and then it's like though they did kind of pull the like I think as the movie goes on, you realize like he's a crazy person. Yes, which I'm always a little. I get mixed results on that, where it's like he seems just like a quirky guy at first, and then it's like oh, he's insane. Yes, like where he's just like like and walks out of the room, and then he's just laughing to himself. Like I'm like "Eh, maybe a little like that. That seems like the result of an actor giving you a bunch of different options, and then you like puzzle like jigsaw something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, But he is great. I I loved him. I do
0: like that. It's also like you kind of do play with, like, is he really, like, is he justified or isn't he justified? I think there is that kind of element where, you know, is he telling the whole truth? Yeah. I think that's always kind of a fun element.
1: Well, there is a... But again, this comes to that thing where he makes this whole point that's an interesting point about, like, he is essentially what we always joke about Bond. He's the ultimate rogue agent. Yeah, Like, he went... Like, essentially, he, he... Was in a sense punished, rightfully so, for going outside of his jurisdiction when he was an agent. Yeah. Um. And, and in a way, and the movie kind of like is wishy-washy on this, but he was like he was basically the hacker version of Bond. Mm-hmm. Like, and he is like this big like, why do things like running around and sh- doing car chases? Like, yeah. it's like oh, so so old-fashioned Bond. But then also like, but then his plan is this whole elaborate like kill m like I, it was just that's like, just, I mean, that's his whole thing no that's his whole like, thing it's just like but it's just his like the whole point
0: a, of getting the list is just to basically draw m out right but it
1: just kind of seems not can it doesn't seem like the best use of character construction i don't know if that makes any sense but like it, it's the best use of your uh building of a character that you give him this ethos of like Forget the old ways, Bond. It's all about making your own destiny and doing that. But then his plan is ultimately – doesn't it, it doesn't seem like an extension of that. It mm-hmm. seems like a completely unrelated thing. And that's kind of what I mean. It's like it, it sounds nice yeah. f- when the character is saying all that, and it makes it seem like that they're getting into deeper things than they are. But then when you step back and look at the whole thing – it's like, but wait a minute, like, it's not like he's trying to topple the old, like, it's not like he's trying to give rise to a new way of thing. And then if, if anything, it seems like all of his toys and his technology is an expendable tool just to, to get, to get his end. which may be the point.
0: Yeah, maybe it is. Um, but that, you that, know what you, you know how you talk about, uh, I just go on a different point a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how you talked about how you, you know, this movie is kind of acts smarter than it is. Yeah. One of the reasons for that, I think, is the Roger Deakins cinematography. I do feel like that adds like that kind of that enjoyable element just from a visual perspective. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. almost because when you think about this movie, you think about things like you know that assassin fight, yes, where it's like you know one hundred percent with with, with, us, with that, or even like his, the boat ride into the casino, yes. or the opening Ex- shot of this movie. Excellent,
1: excellent cinematography on that. Oh like, yeah, just and, 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 perfectly like, it's perfectly shot. Of that,
0: but it it presents this movie as maybe a little bit better. It it makes the movie seem a little bit better than maybe it is because you kind of are, are, are visually feasting yes. on this. Entire it makes it movie. feel
1: artfully done. Yes, which is like, and yeah. I mean and
0: like f- from I mean the cinematography does deserve sort of praise. I mean Deakins is one of the all time greats, yes. and the fact that he shot Skyfall is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I I just always feel like that's kind of an element of that too, where like you see all these great shots, and you're just kind of like oh. Yeah, this movie's great. Yeah. Um, no, no, That I mean, that, that is definitely a aspect of it. God, there's so much I want to mention. Uh, can I just get my thing about the Q character?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, we might as well, because that is, like, another extension of they're trying to be, like, this new, young age of... Which they, again, they don't do anything with it other than, like, a pithy conversation about that he's young. Yeah. They don't, but they, they don't... I mean, I guess they try to do that the hacking kind of screwed them but that's my that's one of my
0: biggest things okay. about Q. So my biggest thing about Q is that he's made to a little bit like they they make him look like a little bit of a fool. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing is that they capture Silva, which I want to talk about that scene a little bit later too. And then like you know, they do the whole thing which has also become a cliche at this point yeah. where the villain planned to be captured so yeah. that he can get into the system.
1: Which it was just, which is insane. Like I don't want to like cuz that's the kind of stuff I don't like kind of like bearing down on. It really doesn't make any sense because he is like cause they say like he's been planning this for years. I'm like, like But he's like,
0: like he, he's like, oh he knew that if he attacked MI6 we would go down to this bunker so that we would be going into the underground. Right. Yeah. And therefore he
1: would like they but he also must have known like there was going to be a like a hearing or maybe he just Because that was part of the plan. The plan was to escape and he had all the pieces lined up that he would be able to escape properly and get to this hearing. Yeah. So it's like it that is was very part of the like two year plan. Yeah. But see, I will admit like that stuff I can forgive. Like I don't really well, care hey, about it. I do want to say this. Yeah.
0: Um that So just go back on the Q. Sure, thing. sure, sure. Yeah. So the whole thing is that he Q's captured and give you know or time not, not Q. Uh, Silva's captured and he does his whole, like, um, you know, his Hannibal Lecter monologue in, in his little cave. And then, like, they try to hack it to Silva's, Silva's computer. Right. And then, like, Q just plugs it into the system. Bond helps him figure out, like, what's going on. Oh, it's a map of the of the uh, underground. Uh, sure. The, the railroads. And then all of a sudden, like, all the doors open and Q escapes, kills all the guards. And then Q's like, how did he get into the system? And he figures out that he just plugged them in. Yeah. See, here's my thing, and this is a little bit of a retroactive thing, but one, you know, Q's made to look like a little bit of a fool, like, oh, like the technology screwed him, which I mean, it is what it is. I think that it's a, it's I wouldn't a, have okay. as much of a problem with yeah. this, and this is kind of going a little bit ahead. I wouldn't have such a problem with this if they they'd pull the exact same thing, Inspector, in that, like, Q does a thing, Inspector, that basically kind of starts screwing them over a little bit.
1: I have to, yeah.
0: yeah I, would, I, I believe that's also the case. I would have to rewatch or I it. I yeah. think that there are, there's a similar thing in, in Spectre where it makes Q look like a fool as well. Sure. And I just think, like, this, this interpretation of the character, I just think is just, it's just well, like it doesn't, I don't think it's conducive to that key, classic Q relationship. Because I think there is a little bit of that element that you get there. Just a little bit of a taste when, like, they're working together, trying to figure out the, uh, um, like, because basically it seems like it's presenting itself as a code like it's like a flowing code you know like one of those crazy movie things where it's like oh the code keeps rewriting itself right and then bond you know bond and q are kind of working together on it and bond's like wait a minute like go back on that wait these are all names of the of stations and like i could imagine that type of scene like in like a more you know with Moore and Leland, you know yeah. where they're trying to figure out like wait, Moore's like wait, go back, go back, go back. Yeah. That's a, that's the name of the agent. Like I could imagine that and there's that little bits of elements even when they're like uh when Bonds on the on the radio with Q as he's trying to chase Silva. I think there's some elements of that. But it just feels like also that they are taking a little bit of the piss out of the technology aspect of it. That 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 and that gets to my other thing and like the the infamous line of what did you expect an exploding pen? Yeah. And there's a couple things about that. So one cues gadgets gadgets. Yeah, they're and, not gadgets. They're not I'm not
1: good. I I refuse to call them gadgets. They, they
0: call them out as not gadgets, because it's like it's a gun that only Bond can shoot. Yeah. Which only comes into play once, which I know most of the gadgets I, do. I that. think
1: I must have mentioned this on the podcast, but it's not a gadget or it's the dumbest gadget because now you have to contrive way to like show it that off and And, they do where he drops his gun and somebody else picks it up and then he's like, can't shoot it. Like, all
0: right. I swear we've seen that before in another bond movie. I swear there is something similar. It's like, Oh, it's handy. It's your handprint. So you can use it, my other thing about it is that why, why call out the exploding pen when the exploding pen was a big deal in saving the day in Goldeneye. Like, that's my thing about it. Like, if you're going to call because out... Because
1: it's trying to be cute about that they're know, not but doing it's just, the big know, like,
0: but, but it's also just, to me, like, that's what makes it even more stupid. Yeah. It's just like, you're calling out, like, the exploding pen, but the exploding pen is a very fun section of a very fun movie. But it's and also, it's, like... it's a very fun plant yes. and payoff. And that was what the gadgets always were. It's like these fun plants and payoffs. Now, I do kind of appreciate the little gag they play with the radio. I think that is a little bit cute um when they do that whole thing uh but i also feel like i just feel like you're overcompensating and i don't think that people would be i don't think people are going to turn away because you have gadgets and i think that's what they're worried about now
1: no but this is what's also dumb about this though is because first of all you can't you can't joke about that we don't go in for the exploding pen, but then also have a car that shoots machine guns at the end of your movie. right? Which is like, I don't know if they're just trying to be, because it's quite possible that that is kind of like a little meta cute joke, and then at the end of the day, in the mind of Mendes and, like, you know, them making it, that maybe that is, like, being, like, no, see, there is room for the gadgets at the end. Like, so there – I will give them credit. They're probably just saying that. My my thing is just, like, the muddledness of it mm-hmm. because you're doing that, but then also, like – but it, it's, like, you're, like, all right, we don't go in for the exploding pen, but we're also – but. Like to me that doesn't make me take it more seriously. Then it's like, but here are your other gadgets that are non-gadgets. Like it just seems to me it seems sillier that you're like give him like, oh, here's like a microchip that if you turn it on, we know where you are. Like it's like that just seems even dumb. Like, Uh and then but you're also what's also crazy about this movie when you think about it, by them saying that we don't go into exploding pens anymore, that means this is a world that does have the gadgets that we know. Case in point, when he's in the Aston Martin later, he pulls out the red button and M makes a joke about ejecting her from the car. Yeah. So, no, they so do, these gadgets they do, do
0: exist. They do go into the DB5, the Aston Martin DB5 from GoldenEye. And that's, or Goldfinger. It was also in GoldenEye, by the way. Right. But from Goldfinger most famously. And that's, of course, uh, you know, a, a, a Bond 50 tribute. Um, thing. But yes, I agree.
1: But this oh, doesn't and, uh, but that and, was another thing that doesn't work cuz they do this thing to me that they bring in the Aston Martin mm-hmm. and it and it's that thing that and I don't mind this um in theory that it, it is playing to the audience and to the fans. It's like the Aston Martin is back. It's just that the way that the Bond franchise is and the way that these movies are is like so wait, wait a minute. So spiritually those adventures still happened in some fashion. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not getting into, like, the nerdy, like, is this a sequel? But you are kind of saying, like, so this gadget car existed. Yes. So it's kind of like that fine line that I think that they don't quite cross about, like, being, like, this actual, are you doing this real-world (laughs) reimagining, or is it this spiritual successor?
0: Right, because it's also, like, the Craig movies, more so than the other ones, have established themselves as like, a continuity-heavy series. Right. Which is also something that I does think affects Skyfall, because I think it doesn't match with things that are are in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, Mm -hmm. and also, retroactively, it has things in Spectre that make Skyfall even more muddled in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um... But like the other Bond, like again, because the DB5 has made cameos before, but in those movies, like we, the Bond franchise at that point was basically like, oh, each movie is his own individual adventure. We're kind of in hyper time where things happen and haven't happened. You know what I mean? we like, Jaws like- can appear in these both, but then like he doesn't have to be the exact same character type of deal. That doesn't have to be a direct sequel, but we can like kind of reference things from other movies. But this whereas is this like, one, it- whereas, whereas the yeah, Craig movies sorry. are just, again, they're very continuity heavy. So when you include stuff like that. It's more so like, well, now Bond has just received his 007 agent, so it's just like a previous agent's car. Well, what is it would
1: it? be like in the Dark Knight Rises if it's like it's like all oh, my all my cars, all my gadgets are gone, but I have one in storage, and then it's like it's like, and then Alfred's like, oh, pulling out the old tricks, uh, Mister Wayne, Master Wayne, and then it's like the sixties Batmobile, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> turbines to speed, <laughs> <laughs> but like so. That and again, I I kind of got and, derailed on that and, part, but that's yeah. like that's a very minor thing. Also, but the thing about the, the thing I think I was, you're gonna mention what I was mentioning. Well, just a real quick thing about Q. What also is just from a practical plotting standpoint that makes that seem... because there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can make it that he's also new to the job, so yeah. maybe he's not quite as. Uh, skilled as you would want Q which is fine whatever you could do it that Silva just has like a system of hacking that is just difficult to crack like oh it's like the Rubik's Cube of cracking what makes him look stupid is that all that they say that he does is like how did this happen he looks at the computer that's plugged into their system he unplugs it and he's like he hacked us no shit he hacked you That's all he's been doing for this entire movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's literally his one defining trait up until this point is that he's been hacking you. Of course he hacked you. And it's just like, it, that's just like those things where it's just, if you just kind of like refined some of like the specifics of the plot, you wouldn't make yeah. him Well, cause stupid. we even, we even
0: mentioned during the movie that like, if you really want to go with the, like the no gadgets thing, you could have gone with the idea of it's like, well, we just got bombed. You know, we can't get access to our building. We right don't now. have our gadgets. We don't yeah. have our gadgets at this moment. So this is all you get. Yeah. And that actually works even better because it's now it's bond. Who's maybe not at his physical peak. You know, if you did that element of it, now he has to not, he has to deal with not having like the proper equipment because well we're in this underground bunker from world war ii we you know that's kind of been modernized but still kind of you know a a, a safe haven Mm -hmm. as it were um and i think like again it's those elements where it's like there's ideas that you could present in different ways but i think the way want to do it kind of that meta way of just like oh like that you know is it too old for bond is it we are we are we are do, does cinema need James Bond anymore
1: type of deal? And it's like, eh. You could have just made it more smooth, I think. Well, it's also because like, and then they bring up that point that it's like like where Ray Fines, who I, I like, I ultimately like a lot of these new characters, with the exception of uh Ben Winshaw, like I like ended up you really I'm on board with Naomi Harris's Money Penny. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, had fun with Ray Fines. I do yes. like that they play him as kind of like this kind of like asshole bureaucrat but clearly like he's on their side he's yeah. just like come on like you're making this harder for us and yeah. like M, like we know like you've done a great job it, it, but like, it's just he, like now it's like getting complicated yeah. And
0: I think Ray Fine said it actually in an interview that what he liked about the character a lot too is that this is a, basically a no bullshit straight shooter character where mm-hmm. it's just like he's he, he's on your side but he's telling you like it is and mm-hmm. it's like listen
1: and he plays it really well like, I, they, I like him in because the movie
0: he's like listen like you've done a lot but you also gave up this list of names yeah. and it's you that's that's a big deal you yeah. can't escape that and but like there is but like I this do, level do, of yeah.
1: but there's this level of like they just start talking about this like the world of spies is a way of the past and that's what everybody's thinking and it's just like when you really think about it, it just feels like that's just thrown out there because yeah. this movie needs to be about something yeah and it
0: basically does feel again it feels like they're going with like Oh, the world doesn't need a James Bond, you know, movie anymore type of deal. Like that kind of meta-ness to it, where it's like, it's just it feels yeah. like it's that's the reason it's thrown out. Like, it's that's just, it inciting, doesn't feel organic
1: to the movie. The inciting incident of what's going on does not justify this plot of does the world need spies anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if anything, the one thing that's going on, nobody else knows anything about. Yeah. Like, they know about the whole, like, the agents are getting killed and everything, but it just it just doesn't quite feel enough to justify an entire subplot yeah. of this thing. And listen, I'm not saying that Spectre does this any better, kind of moving forward into that movie, but at least that movie kind of, like, goes back and forth to show you, like, oh, this person's coming in, and this is how they think, and this yeah. is how he's pushing his agenda of, like, mm-hmm. getting rid of spies, and this is just kind of like, again, something, like an idea that the movie just wants to talk about. Yeah, uh,
0: We but. do have a, a couple more things to chat about real quick. Um, we did find it funny that we went to the casino scene that we both thought, is that, it the same casino from Black Panther? It may be because it's also there's a lot of similar elements to that sequence. It does. Sequence.
1: That's a fun, that that's a fun scene. It does have a the the humorous moment with Bond that we always talk about where he notices the Komodo dragon. dragon. Points and it, there's it, like a small moment where he's like, "Oh my god, there's yeah. a
0: Komodo dragon." He, no, it's he's funny. just backing up. He's like, "What? There's a Komodo dragon?" Yeah. He's like distracted. That is one of Craig's best comedic moments. It's just so small. But that scene also does lead into um, what
1: what's the what's the actress's name? I know the, the character's name is Savarine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, I'll, quote unquote, I'll, make sh- I'll make sure that the Bond girl. Get, it, get it correct. So uh, uh yeah, it's um Bern Bernice. Bernice Mallory. Yeah. So this is like the kind of like the the uh the quote unquote Bond girl who's under the heel of the villain. Yes. And Bond is gonna kind of align himself with her right both horizontally horizontally and vertically in the the,
0: the lead up in the lead up to this is basically like bond there's the assassin that got the list and it that m sends him out like all right we we know from our american friends that he's in shanghai to kill this high profile person you're gonna get him and you're gonna find him and you're going to find out who has the list Bond is unable to stop the guy from falling off a building and he doesn't get any information but he finds this chip for a casino which is like okay it's pavement. he cha- he gets the chip in and then he meets like this girl who is basically like watching over who takes in the chip because right. was, yeah, she yeah, was she yeah. was she was overseeing the assassination. Yeah. Uh and so Bond and her start to get talking. Yeah. And he basically bonds like drinking his vodka martini. Don't worry guys he drank his vodka martini. Okay, up not <laughs> But he but I, But then he's like, yeah. "Listen, I want to meet your employer." Yeah. And she immediately like, "Oh,
1: you don't want to do that." Yeah, he's like he's like you've never met an evil like him before. Yeah. And, and like essentially it's just the whole scene that like is like gets like to how he gets his in and in, into mm-hmm. the villain. I'm not even going to bury the lead on this. The one weird thing about this scene is, like... So, we find out that, like, she is, like, the victim of this situation... And that she was in at, at a pr- most likely a young age of 12 and 13 part of like human trafficking yes. and sex so slavery. She, she, Bond finds out he, she's
0: marked yeah. and she's like oh it's a tattoo that like child like sex trafficking you know they go through. Yeah. So you must have been taken in when you were 12 or 13 and he took you out and promised you li- you know promised you life. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. and now you're in. And, so she, and only- she's very the thing is she's very shaken up by all this. Yeah. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's sh- like she's like shaking her like cigar not stirred she, yeah she's not <laughs> well no she is stirred up she's, she's steak she's she's shaken and stirred at this point like she has like her cigarette but she's like you know she's like twitching her hand and she's yeah. like i, I want to get out of here and yeah. bob like grabs her but arm. it's all
1: like it really what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like that all this is setting up that this guy is bad news yes. and like she's come from like a broken past and this guy's bad news but basically what we're doing is once bond gets out of there and, and fights the bad guys and gets out of there she's like meet me on this boat and you can like come to the yeah, the, the, the island the, the island where this guy is with me and then like she is just taking a shower and we have our obligatory bond has sex with somebody scene and just sneaks up behind her yeah and then they this start former canoodling. sex like sex right. slave, now, essentially. Now, I will say this. What makes this from being completely just abhorrent is, like, it's it's consensual. Like, she's yeah. into it, yeah. clearly. But what makes it weird is that we just learned that she was part of a child sex slave ring. And that Bon is the one that pointed this out Bond and is, called it out. Yeah, and you spent an entire movie where everybody's been saying how old he is. Yeah. Nothing. All of this And then is what does it
0: lead up to? It leads up to him meeting Silva, and then he, she basically they like, oh, we're gonna play a little game, and it's like they put a glass of scotch on her, on this girl's head. Yeah, and it's and, supposed to
1: be like, oh, test your marksmanship now, Bond.
0: And then Bond's like, listen, if you shoot the whiskey, you save her. If you don't, who knows what could happen. Yeah. Bond is a terrible shot until the end of the movie, so he misses, and Silva just shoots her in the head. You're right. And
1: what does Bond say? Waste a good scotch.
0: What was the point?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like we can't act and listen, like we can't act like previous Oh, I, have a, have I think I
0: once we get to Spectre, I'm gonna have a further point about Sam Mendes. I think this is I think this is something he really I don't know. I feel like he uh, enjoys the the broken women. I think you know he might have a little bit too much. Of yeah, fun but with no, it. but
1: like I, I had given this criticism to like I mean it's not just him. Like this was the criticism I had with the last movie too. Well, yeah. Where? Well, but, but
0: I I I what I think is that I think yes is a problem with the last movie. But I also think like Mendes has a thing of making it
1: weird. I mean they're definitely more victims than anything. Yes. Like they become. Because like, even in the next movie, victimized. like
0: there's a not as bad but there is a similar really random tangent with like bond and like a woman that like has
1: oh yeah yeah yeah! i know what you're talking about and it's
0: basically like not as bad but that kind of same thing which like well we didn't really need to get this far into it yeah yeah it's it's strange though i did like again i did like the silva getting captured moment yeah, you know, I think that was a little fun. I did
1: like that they kind of like again, they do a lot of cool stuff with Silva by making him the bond a type of bond villain you would think that a bond villain is, like we have talked about that like how many of like the classic bond villains are there and yeah. He they do a lot of cool stuff with I him. Like lot, he, I think
0: he has a lot of good lines.
1: You know, he has a lot of good lines. But they also like introduce him as like, oh, like he's so good with like hacking and technology that he made this island think that there was like a like a the a nuclear melt, a yeah. nuclear meltdown on this island. So then they evacuated the island. So now this island is and his lair. Like, like well, that's it, pretty cool. This is
0: this is ruins. Like uh, London will be ruins. You know, you just right. don't know it yet. Stuff like that. Like I mean, we we briefed over it, but that whole sequence between like the introduction. That whole scene is great. Mm-hmm. It's just it is I mean among Craig's best scenes, I think. Um and I think just like a, one of the best Bond villain introductions like ever. Uh, just in terms of the pure introduction moment. Yeah. Um
1: No, no. I I like I think that is one of my favorite scenes of all the Bond canon. Um I I sometimes will go and like just watch like all of that scene and that in that hallway and everything. Obviously there's the cool like like big like shot with him one take of him walking down the hallway giving his whole whole speech about About, about, like rats and stuff rats
0: rats becoming cannibals yeah
1: and i what i did like uh, another to kind of like interweave like stuff i did like about the movie even though like this in many ways that this movie rips off the dark knight is that uh well after they blow up their main base that they have to make their base in a basement uh so but i did like that because there was like this level of like silva's doing this stuff that's like forcing them down in the sewers like the rats that yeah. he compares them to and I, I did think that was an actual yeah. clever uh thematic tie-in i
0: do like so a couple other things i liked um i did like at the very end of the movie um when silva finally catches up the m and he's gonna kill her mm-hmm. and then bond comes in i what i liked about that moment was just how annoyed Silva was it at it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like how he played that word. So it's like, listen, like get this is not about you. S- stop. Right. It's about us. Yeah. But then, like again, it, yeah, it does go into the like Silva's crazy, where it's like you have to kill us both together with the same bullet. Yeah. And it's like, does he? You like know... he
1: sees that M has got shot, and he's like, now he's all sad it about like, it. Like and... you've been hurt,
0: mommy. <laughs> you've been hurt.
1: <laughs> Um. Um. I, we, we do get the Home Alone stuff. Uh, yeah. With 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 Skyfall, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, like, I'm trying to think. of... I, like- I
0: do imagine though that like because Albert Finney has that line where it's like "Welcome to Scotland," and I'm like, they totally like even when they filmed it they like had to have had in
1: their head Sean Connery oh, saying sure. that 100% there's no
0: way that line was written for anybody else but Sean Oh Connery. like
1: cuz i knew that like watch it every time i watch this and like i only in, in retroactively see in that one scene yeah. Connery saying that um i do overall do enjoy kind of the action sequences yes. in this movie i yeah. think
0: they're i think cuz again the opening sequence i think is an all-time opening sequence i like um I do like the like is the, the little like the little moment of the assassin fight and Komodo Dragon moment. Uh I think the train chase is fun. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's like a different little again, Bond foot chase, a little bit more like born and mission impossible in some ways, but I think it works for what the moment calls for in Craig. And even the shootout at the courthouse, um, I think is 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 a lot of fun. I do like that moment of, of Ray Fiennes getting his, his, his shot in mm-hmm. and, and just you know, and then getting shot himself and stuff you like
1: that. You know what I, I I'm just going to be straight up. I I am even talking about this movie becoming less fond of it. But I, also, I I will say this: one thing that I do think is good is I think that the actors and it's the the actors and a lot of the chemistry between the actors is really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do think that this. I don't know if I could say this is Craig's best Bond movie because again, I do think it becomes a movie where like again, like there's this scene when they're paying off this earlier on the movie M who says like, I made a risk that I traded the risk of your, of losing you with the certainty of losing like all these other agents. Mm -hmm. And later in the movie, they quote unquote pay that off by saying that um, I gave up Silva who in that respect did do something bad. Like I gave up Silva for all these other agents and, and I'm just like, okay but what's the actual character emotional payoff of that other than like we brought that back up yeah and and i do think this becomes a movie that for the this entire movie that spends so much time on like focusing on can bond bond get back in the swing of things the movie kind of just loses him as like a character that you emotionally follow yeah like going forwards but the one thing i will say is that his chemistry with all the actors and all of our main leads is very good yes like as much as we make fun of Ben Winshaw, I do think his, I do think Bond can pull off that witty banter with a Q. Yeah, I think uh, his stuff with Money Penny is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his stuff with M is really good, and I didn't mention it, but I think I'm very happy with. Em, I've always been very happy with M, and I'm glad with what we have got with her in this movie. Yeah. I think that all that works for me. So I will say on that. And I liked Ray Fiennes. I think they introduced a new character that I'm like looking forward to seeing like continue being in the Bond movies. Um, so with all that said, like I mean that that is kind of like it's not a total wash. It's just one of these things. Like now that I've seen it so many times and watching it, like it, it was like kind of like maybe it's because. Now, at this point, I know the plot of the movie so well that I was kind of being like, okay, yeah, this just isn't... It's just not doing it for me anymore.
0: Yeah, no, talking about the movie, um, it definitely... I said at the beginning, oh, I think it'll still be in my top 10. I do not know that anymore. And I might have talked out of it being my favorite, Craig. I don't know yet. Yeah, Um, I mean... I, I may or may not have. But yeah, no, talking about the movie, it just... There is... Just it has not... It does not have that same fire.
1: Because here's the thing: because Casino Royale is a movie where I just don't think fully comes together for me, and Quantum was to me harmless. Yeah. Whereas this one, I kind of did be like, I'm like, uh, like I'm just like kind of like being like frustrated by yeah. certain elements of They're- it, and kind of entertained mm-hmm. by other elements. And- now like I, it happens sometimes like it doesn't happen often for me but it was like a movie that I thoroughly used to enjoy that I, I can't I can't say that I love as much I do
0: gotta say though even on this viewing uh, and when I first saw it in theaters especially the ending the very ending of the movie yeah. still kind of gives me chills because it's such a good little tribute to just again that original being the Bond 50 it's oh like, right, just right, right. Rec- like just it's just recreating like the original M Office and like it's, like, legitimately, like, we've had, you know, since, um, since essentially, like, you know, the end of the Moore era into yeah. Living Daylights, you know, the M office has changed so much. Right. And in terms of those original Bond movies, you had that classic office. Mm-hmm. And just to see, you know... You know, Money Penny get into that role, and again, you you present this this more, this stronger Money Penny character. And even I admit that as much as I enjoy the Lois Maxwell years, this is a very strong interpretation of Money Penny. Right. But she gets in in the desk, and then he opens like the red door, and it's the office, and got the painting and the desk. Yeah. And to me, just as a Bond fan, I think in twenty twelve. It's almost a moment where I was like, oh, I have to get back into this because I just recognized it all. And I was like, now now he can go into all these like different, you know, he can go into his Goldfinger adventures if this was going to be like the, you know, the continuing adventures of James Bond. Right, right. And so that moment still to this day, I think really works for me.
1: Um, What would work for you as a role for Harrison Ford though?
0: Oh boy, this is a tough one. There's, I don't know if there's one that immediately like hits it for me. Um... Oh, hmm. I was trying to think, and like, you know, I was trying to think of something good.
1: Do you have anything? I feel like he would either be. Oh, you know what? Maybe he he should just be a. Oh no, you know what he should have been? He should have been another guy who's like partaking in scorpion shots. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. younger Harrison Ford. Yeah, like he's like he's like in his own action movie franchise, and he's going rogue. Like he's an American agent going yeah. rogue. This is Rogue Island. This is where all the agents come to, like, go rogue. And
0: Tom Cruise is there. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a rogue nation.
1: Excellent. All right, let's. Oh shit, let's wrap this up. Let's do the deal. Let Let's wrap this up. So
0: this was considered one of the best movies, best, definitely best action movies of 2012. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and the, the, and one of the best, you know, one of the best movies. I mean. There weren't really serious considerations, but there was there was a lot of different Oscar buzz for this movie. Not necessarily Best Picture, but there was that kind of sense of like, oh, this is a good enough movie to be represented in kind of award yeah. shows no, and stuff and, like and that.
1: And the, the, uh, the, um, the thought behind this movie, just kind of like the, the legacy of this movie is that people l- like it quite a bit. And, mm. I, and I was part of that too. Like, it's just more so, yeah, so. Um, but no, I, I do know that. I mean, and it was also coming out like a big kind of like, Uh, blockbuster year like we said earlier with the final Nolan Batman was coming out and like the Avengers was coming out Mm -hmm. and like this was just kind of fulfilling an entire uh, year of big anticipated and mostly successful uh, blockbusters
0: yeah Uh, and it is to this day uh, the seventh highest grossing movie uh, ever made oh shit yeah didn't know that yes indeed Uh, just below uh, Return of the King Mm mm-hmm um, and not the top all time when adjusted for inflation for the Bond franchise, of course. Um, but still very, 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 very successful. Uh, everybody was very satisfied with how uh, this movie did. Um, it holds the records for the Bond film with the most Oscar nominations. Um, and that was for um, Academy Awards score song. Uh, sound editing and mixing and then cinematography of course and it did win one oscar uh adele did win for skyfall making making it the first bond song to win an academy award
1: right on adele um right yeah
0: so but and you know i'm not gonna uh it wasn't perfectly reviewed you know but Mm -hmm. still very well reviewed so i didn't i am reading here that it was criticized uh for um for the uh the serene scene. Oh, okay, that yeah, was the main. Yeah. Uh, the The National Sexual Violence Resource Center did put out a statement that said it's it's, it's weird. It's weird.
1: Yeah, uh, it's weird because it's like again, it's like one of those move. It's one of those things where it's like there's there, there's no there's nothing truly wrong going in it. It's just just a weird scene. No. Mm-hmm.
0: So. But yeah, no. I mean, it was everybody was very happy with yeah. with the results. Yeah, not us. Yeah. Um. It's it's interesting though because I I. I do wonder once we get the next bond. I mean, and, and this, we'll talk about this more after our next movie. But I do wonder once we get the next bond how we're going to reflect on on the whole of the Craig era. Mm-hmm.
1: Because It's fine.
0: I think it's fine.
1: But I mean, I already can I already know like it, it's fine. Yeah. I am interested I'm more interested to see how I feel about Spectre.
0: I 100% feel the same way. Yeah. I wonder cuz we have our friend Patrick who called this he said that I'm going to like Spectre. Or I'm just going to like Skyfall less than I remember. Uh-huh. And I think I'm going to like Spectre more than I remember. And I wonder if that's going to hold out true. I do think that I'm very interested to revisit Spectre. Now, I already know that I don't find Spectre to be perfect. It's not a perfect movie. But I do feel there's a lot of elements of that movie that I'm going to be sneaky enjoyed.
1: I think so. I mean, like, because I didn't hate Spectre.
0: Oh, I didn't hate it either. Yeah, but I, like, I enjoyed it. But there's
1: a level of like, I mean, quite honestly, like, I mean, I would struggle to be definitive that I like this more than quantum. I'm going to be honest. Ooh. No, because it's like there's this level of like quantum is just like, to me, it was harmless. It was just a harmless, a lot like kind of like hollow. Movie that didn't do too much. I don't know if this is if it's better or worse, but I'm not going to be like, Oh, Skyfall is clearly better because Mm. I was watching Skyfall and I was like, Ultimately, at the end of the day, the pros of it did not outweigh the things that bothered me about Um, it. Um, and here's the thing I don't like coming here and like being like a movie that I said that I liked and being like, Oh, now I've changed my mind on it and I'm not that fond of it. But it's Mm. like, I do enjoy the talking about it aspect, but like. I this would, is not I, a I fun would, revelation. Here's the
0: thing. I, I would definitely put Skyfall above Quantum because I do think I enjoy just the action and the pace of it a little bit more, um, and the performance is. I just think like there's a lot of it that I do find overall stronger, but having talked about it, I am now not certain if I would put Casino Royale or uh, Skyfall one or the other. Yeah. like I, I, Skyfall has definitely talked itself out of my top 10. It's not in my top 10. Yeah. There's no way it is. Um, which means that my top ten is pretty much solidified. So it's interesting to kind of see that, but I, I do have to take a look at this and and take a look.
1: Well, uh, with that said, where are we going next? I think we mentioned we it. We mentioned
0: it, but we, uh, interestingly enough, we're going to
1: find out who it was this <laughs> yes, whole time.
0: It was me, James. We are coming to the end. Uh, we're catching up to the official Bond canon. Yeah, uh, it's going to be weird because. Um, this is it for, for us in terms of the main Bond timeline, um, and we do have a lot to talk about. I have a lot planned, mm-hmm. but next time we are going to talk about who it was. We're going to talk... Who about- was
1: the architect of all the pain. All his pain, even him, if it James. doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Batista. Uh-huh. Or we're going to talk about Dr. Madeline Swan in Spectre. Yes. And guess what, Will? Uh, an old friend...
1: Back Ooh. from the day is going to be coming back. Cannot wait.
0: And maybe it was this old friend. Maybe it was him.
1: Um. Well, Nick, ne- next time, Uh. can't wait for that, but next episode's not a James Bond episode. It's oh a boy. Godzilla episode <laughs> in which we will <laughs> be dissecting the first official American Godzilla movie in Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, I a.k.a. Godzilla 98. I am
0: so excited for this because... We watched a good movie the other night, and it was Batman sixty six. We watched Batman sixty six, and I had a whale of a time. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous, absurd, perfect. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not saying Godzilla ninety eight is going to be on that level of perfect, but I am looking forward to kind of taking in nineteen ninety eight. What Roland Emmerich and Matthew Broderick, a late
1: nineties Roland Emmerich blockbuster, with
0: with with Matthew Broderick and Hank Azaria uh, and other people. uh, what's his face? Reno? Oh, oh, John Reno. John Reno yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I am very much looking forward to the ridiculousness of it. I think, like, whether or not I think it's a good movie, which I probably won't think it's great, I think I'm gonna have a whale of a time with it. So I'm very excited.
1: Well, you know, it. You know, big, big action. You say whale of a time. You may have big, big, big fun because the one thing to remember in this movie is size does matter. Remember that.
0: That was a tagline. I know Uh, that much.
1: So, all right. Well, until then, I'm done. We're done. Uh, Everybody here is done.
0: Well, plugs. BonzillaPod at gmail.com. Still have not received word about the Space Jam stuff, so give us the word, guys. Uh, Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007. Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. Like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And that's all the plugs. All right, I did it.
1: Congratulations. Well, until then, let the sky fall, let it crumble, Chicken Little. You know, even
0: that song, I don't, I haven't listened to it as much as I used to when the when the movie came out. So even yeah. that hasn't really aged well for me. Even though I think Ooh. I do, the song is good.
1: Sorry, Adele, you can't yell your song at everyone when well, they Well, she's no longer it. pregnant, so yeah,
0: she had her kid.
1: <laughs> Bye.